0: What are some small health habits that can have a huge impact in your life? Today's guest, Christiana Schroeder, food and health coach, has transformed the lives of thousands of students. Listen to today's episode to get some ideas that you can start implementing right away. Welcome to the Courage to Be podcast. I'm your host, Tanya Vasayo. And each week, I will bring you amazing guests so that you can tap into the courage to break out of all patterns and live your soul's purpose. Before we get into this episode, if by the end you enjoyed it, please follow, rate, review, and share the podcast so we can reach more people. Because here's the thing, I'm on a mission to close the gender gap in the podcasting world so that more and more women's voices are heard. If you feel that this is something you value too, then please take action by rating, reviewing, following, and sharing the podcast. We can only do this together. Check out the link in the show notes to see how this is done and make sure to stay until the end to claim some free gifts I have for you. Welcome to the Courage to Be podcast where we have powerful conversations to transform our life and our business. And today we have Christiana Schroeder with us. Did I pronounce it right? I'm like, trying to say the right last name thank you tanya it's absolutely
1: amazing and i adore that you are asking about the pronunciation because i'm definitely not making it easy
0: (laughs) (laughs) but i love it so tell us a little bit about you christiana you're german you live in the states what's your journey been like and what are you up to? You know, I know you're in the health business and health and wellness and helping people become healthy in this world, which we need. So share with us a little bit with our listeners, what your story is all about.
1: Awesome. Yeah. So I have been living in California since 15 years. I lived in the Midwest before where I also earned my PhD and my master's degree or my PhD in health economics, focusing on obesity and figuring out how we can maybe change uh, prices to directly look at positive benefits with regard to body weight and exercise. And um, that was also my entrance, so to speak, in the United States. I was a Fulbright scholar, came to the United States on that Fulbright scholarship from Germany. And I've been living in the United States overall for more than half of my life. Really, you know, if you think about the courage to be, I took the courage from Germany to leave my home country and be in the United States. And the name of my company is Hello Happiness because as soon as I came to the United States, I felt I was entering my personal happy nest. I'm really happy here and I'm feeling that I'm now empowering others to reach their own happiness. So I'm a full-time professor at the university, but I also Coach and teach fitness classes and help others getting to into their best selves.
0: That is awesome. There's so many different things I want to detangle here. Starting with what is health economics like? Can you give us more? Because that sounds very smart to me. Like it's like up here. I'm like, how do you detangle and I don't know, synthesize that for us?
1: Good. Yeah, that's an amazing question. So if you think about regular economics, uh, what comes to your mind, Tanya?
0: Numbers, exchange of value, money, you know, it's, yeah, exchange of value and money and numbers, really, that's what. Good. So
1: that is amazing. So now, basically, you're applying numbers, value, money, and you're applying it to the health space. So think about what Mm -hmm. makes us healthy is maybe healthy eating maybe exercise, maybe, you know, changing some habits around in the house. And all of this, of course, is something that at the end of the day will make us feel better. So health economics looks a lot of the prices, the income that we get from our day-to-day jobs. We also, of course, have mortality. So there is a price associated with just living. And there is a cost whenever you get ill, As well. So health economics basically puts numbers, exchange, and anything like that on your personal well-being, as well as the cost of illness and health. And it really investigates that. So if you think about the past, let's say three years, you know, of COVID, there was a lot of health economics that went into that. Like how do we how much does a pandemic cost, for instance? How do we value the cost of productivity versus people maybe being out sick in the workplace. So all of this is health economics. And you're actually probably using it more than what you think. But now I gave you a word that actually puts this into a context.
0: I love that because thanks for the explanation. I think it's these things that we don't think about, you know, obviously you do because that's what you specialize in, but it's definitely the numbers that we don't think about. Like how much is it really going to cost us to do preventative, you know, like taking care of our body versus having to go to the doctor, for example, or, you know, like taking care of our health throughout all these years and these decades, will it shorten our lifespan or is that going to cost ourselves and our family a lot more in like disability or when we're getting to our elder years and and what will our health look at, at that point. This, this is fascinating. I'm glad that you brought that up. So, what were some of the discoveries that you found as you came and started studying health economics? Because you're coming from Germany, my guess is that you came to the states thinking that you're just going to use your scholarship, study here, but then you ended up staying for 15 plus years. So what happened there? Like, what were some of the discoveries? Like, I'd like to hear about some of these discoveries within health economics that inspired you and how you ended up choosing to stay here.
1: Yeah, I I love that question. Because I always say I packed a suitcase and left to study abroad. So I was a typical exchange student. And then actually ended up staying so that suitcase became my home and um, my family now I have children and I live here and I'm finding really that decision back then which really did take a lot of courage completely changed the path of my life so a couple of things I want to say about this so first we might all have that inner desire to do something different in our life right So the reason why I really went abroad is because I'm very passionate about languages. I studied French, English, and also Spanish in Germany, and I knew that I wanted to do something with languages. I wasn't sure whether I should do it full-time, so I wanted to go abroad. The other thing that was the driving factor, and that's factor number two, is that was not super healthy. So I struggled all along with digestive issues. I thought about becoming a dietitian, studying foods and nutrition, doing something in that wellness food space. And so I was motivated by my passion, worked in Germany in the dietitian framework in a wellness clinic. And then all of a sudden realized that, well, I'm still passionate about those languages. So let's maybe go abroad. So I can get my passion for, in this case, English covered, but I also want to study more about food and nutrition. And when I then came to the United States, I learned more about food and nutrition, how it impacts our day-to-day purchasing behavior, coming back to that economic decision-making and how you can really change positive habits into motion so that is really then what i felt was expanding what i had learned in germany so i actually transformed my life to a healthier and happier state which is again the name of my company hello happiness so i found new foods that i had not met previously in germany changed my habits with regard to working out so if you think about exercise united states now i live in california It is actually much more part of your daily habits um, than it had been in Germany, So, which is also part of health economics, if you think about it. So uh, if you think about your decisions you make on a daily basis, you're kind of like uh, creating maybe a schedule and making it economical for yourself to add in little wellness tidbits here and there. So in the United States, schools have much more emphasis, for instance, on PE. But many people belong to a rec center or they form certain communities of working out together. So I really started embracing this in the United States. And then I became very passionate about obesity. Again, I went to the Midwest and I lived for a while in the South, which are definitely the hot seats in the United States with regard to not necessarily eating super healthy or moving a lot. So I saw the impact of obesity on the population there, and that really triggered my thinking that I need to research this. Why are people in these areas so obese? Why are they struggling on a daily basis with overweight, uh, with poor nutrition, as well as wellness factors? And that's really how it all came together. My digestive issues improved. I changed a lot of habits in my life, and I felt that I wanted to research more of decision factors of population.
0: That's awesome. I love hearing that you took your issues that you have in your own healing and wanting to learn and explore more about that and then kind of study and analyze these other locations like with obesity. I'm curious about that. Like, What did you discover or were you able to inspire people in these communities? Because there's so many questions. Like I want to go back to both of us being from Europe, you know, like there's other questions, but I'll come back to that one. So let's start with the obesity, the people that you found, you know, in the States, living in the Midwest, living in the South, you know, that have more issues, like what, kind of solutions have you thought for them you know you took care of yourself but now it's like okay now it's time to take it out to the population to other people and inspire other people what showed up for you along that path christiana
1: great question so if you kind of like think about daily decision factors we could kind of break it down into external factors and internal factors right so External Mm -hmm. factors being prices, because we personally don't have an impact on prices. So we're just looking at them. We can't impact them. So they are external to our lives. But also the environment that we live in, right? So you might live in a location that's not necessarily easy to exercise in. You might live in a location where foods and vegetables have higher prices. And so that might already be an obstacle for yourself to live healthier, to make good food choices, etc. So now maybe your internal motivation, that's your, you know, you want to live healthier, you want to eat healthy, might be triggering, like, I need a change. So when I lived in Arkansas, which is in the south where I lived, I started researching, okay, so what can we do in this area here? So maybe there was a lot of rice production where I lived in Arkansas, Started researching, all right, can we use rice in ways that is maybe in a healthy way? So I started looking at recipes, you know, the most easiest accessible one. But I also started researching, are there fruits and vegetables grown in this area that we could maybe just make more accessible? And meaning more accessible is we don't just look at grocery stores. We also look at ways that build community where we have exchange, where we have social connection, Because if you look at studies in economics that connect your lifespan and your mortality to a factor, the number one factor is always social connection. So if you think about mortality and you were to research, and there's a long Harvard study that has researched people for decades, what has increased their longevity, it is always the social connection. It's the quality and the quantity of their social ties, we call this in economics. So if you think about a farmer's market, you're getting the healthier food options, the fruits and vegetables, uh, and maybe other local little goodies right there. You can exchange words with the farmers. You can build that connection right there. Maybe you're meeting friends or your neighbors, or maybe you're meeting new people. You have a conversation about a recipe, how you can use those foods right there. That alone will already increase your lifespan because you're not just sitting at home doing what you do every day, but you're getting out and you're engaging in this community right there. So when I lived in Arkansas, I actually helped and created a farmer's market. And I can tell you at the beginning, people were very curious about uh, fruits and vegetables and absolutely adored the Southern way of living because they were very open to me and I will tell you a funny story. For instance, we had a farmer that brought in cucumbers, and I purchased some of the cucumbers that I wanted to use in a salad. I also cut up the cucumbers, use some cold rice and mix the cucumbers with some mango, with some bell peppers to create that color and the texture, etc. And it's called a Mediterranean rice salad. And the people saw me purchasing the cucumbers and had never seen a cucumber before. And afterwards asked me how I used it. And I said, well, I cut it up raw and put it in my rice salad. And then they told me, well, we didn't know what to do with it. So we just fried it, which is very typical in the South. So they have what's called a fry daddy, which is a tool. It's a gadget. You just have on your kitchen countertop. And I so embraced that they shared that with me because to us, putting something out there that you're not familiar with, is also part of this internal factor that I talked about, which is part of your food culture. Given that fried food is very common in the South, maybe asking somebody else, how can I make my food culture richer? Maybe instead of frying, I'm trying it raw. And maybe that's something new that make my food culture even more uh, multifaceted and maybe even trigger a little wellness piece in my life. So in Germany, of course, we also cook vegetables a lot, but we also eat salads. And so I shared that little German tidbit uh, with people in Arkansas, and they came back and they said, I didn't even know you could eat it raw. This was really cool. So that was a little success factor right there.
0: That is awesome. I love that story, and especially for both of us coming from different cultures and coming here to the States, you know, just hearing these things, It, it reminds me, there's a story here for me personally in the farmer's market in Santa Fe in New Mexico that they sell these, they're Japanese peppers. They're called shishitu peppers, which are very similar to these peppers that we get in Spain, padron peppers, which they also sell here. And I wasn't quite sure how they were going to cook. You know, like I saw them there. I'm like, oh my God, they look very similar to the ones we have in Spain, but how are they cooking it? And I think that's such an important way of accessing food and trying new things and being brave to try new things, you know, that's not the way you were brought up or the only thing that you know. Because when they would cook the shishitsu peppers with olive oil and a little bit of garlic, I was like, oh, that is the, and they'd have samples so you could try them. And then you try it and you're like, okay, I'm going to try. Cooking them this way too. So I think that's brilliant that you did that, Christiana, you know, that you brought that there and are encouraging people to be able to create that, you know, just to spice up their own, no pun intended, but spice up their own cultural aspects with food and their health and how they deal with health because we are a melting pot. This country is a melting pot, but we can be very attached to our ways of eating and our backgrounds. You know, my closest friend is Dominican and they have their own ways of eating, you know, in the Dominican Republic. And we just all have our own ways. And I think it's very important. I I love too, that you talked about the social aspect and this study in Harvard because it it has been proven, you know, these people that are centenarians, Japan, Italy, just all these different locations. One of the highest factors is, I mean, they take a lot of things into consideration, health, you know, like the food, how much exercise, but I didn't know that the social aspect of it was the most important. And it kind of makes sense that it would kind of, trump everything else. Like you can maybe like think about, I don't know what the percentage is for the French, for example, but we all know the French eating their bread and the croissants and their cheeses that you would think everyone dies much sooner or that they're not as healthy, but maybe it's because of the social connection too, or even in Spain, you know, I see my own country. I just came back from being there for three weeks and it just seemed the culture is so different. And I'm curious for you when you came to the States and seeing, cause you mentioned before that you started exercising and doing different things that you weren't doing in Germany. Like maybe like the going to the gym and all that stuff is not as, or maybe it wasn't as popular because you've also been in the States for 15 years. It's the same as for me. I've been here over 20 years. So I've seen some health habits starting to shift over in Europe back in my country. Like I'm seeing more people exercising or jogging and biking and embracing these kinds of things. Whereas before I thought like, oh no, this is just an obsession in the States. But how have you seen that? Or what have you seen in the progression comparing both of the Countries like for you, Germany and the state, I mean, because you're multicultural now, you know, you have both of those sides. Like, what have been some of the benefits or the negatives and the benefits that you've seen in both countries?
1: That's a really great question. So, I've been living in California since 15 years. And the reason why I always trigger that in my mind is because I, and this is a fun fact to the audience. (laughs) I started this job in California, moving from Arkansas while I was pregnant. So I started on a new tenure track position at the university here while I was pregnant. So speaking about you know how you combine the best things in life and how they all come together because I wanted to have children, I wanted to move, I wanted to start a new job, and whoops there. I started a new job being pregnant five months, so this is a, a fun little fact. And came to the United States 24 years ago, actually, to, to study here in the graduate program. So when I left Germany at that time, and I love that you bring this up, it was not very common to be member of a gym or a recreation center, and in general. PE or physical education or sport or whatever you call it we have that on our schedule in school it wasn't really that there was an organized activity for children in terms of team sports so you could enroll in it but I would say and that's something I very much see now because I have teenage daughters there was kind of this time frame between mm, let's maybe say 13 till 18 To where there's a little bit of like a gray space, gray area. What do you do then as a teenager in the exercise frame? And unfortunately, as a health coach, that's also the most formative one in your life. To where you're creating good habits during that particular time frame. So I arrived here while I was still a student. And I embraced that the university had a recreation center. And I embraced how students were just going there every day and they met up and went there speaking about the social aspect, attended classes. They were going there, whether it was for yoga or for cardio or just for sitting there and studying. And it just became part of my life then too, to kind of create that daily habit in going there. At the same time, what I also noticed as a German, my very first purchase in the United States was actually a bicycle. So I went to a local store it was kind of a hiking store and I purchased a bike there I still to this day have this bike so think about this this was 1999 and I still have that bike it's green and I like to name things so the name of my bike is Gerda so I still have Gerda and I started biking everywhere and now you think about the midwest and the heat and the fact that it's not exactly bicycle friendly but that's just the German in me it was like oh, I'm not going to buy a car so I'm just going to bike everywhere And I realized that there was a very quick decision factor in the people that live there. I need to go somewhere, I'm just going to hop in the car and drive there, right? So that was maybe on one hand, there was more exercise, but on the other hand, there was a little bit more of an emphasis on convenience, whether that's taking the car, whether that's eating more convenient food, maybe portion sizes were larger, the fact that people maybe watched more TV. So that was also these other cultural factors right there that I observed. So the positive, exercise had a bigger role. The negative is that there were a lot of things that were maybe also preventing you from seeing all the positive benefits of the exercise as well. So coming from Germany, what I then brought along with me was a little bit more of the natural approach. So maybe instead of going to a store and immediately um, purchasing some type of over-the-counter medication to treat what you're dealing with, the Germans are maybe grabbing more natural things and um, reaching more for natural little wellnesses. So maybe instead of uh, immediately buying over the counter headache medication, maybe we're doing something that could prevent that, like getting fresh air or um, just laying down and reading a book, or maybe just massaging your neck or putting some peppermint oil on your temples. So that's kind of like the way that I'm looking at my life now is that I'm looking at my own part, as you said, melting pot, and
0: I'm embracing things from both cultures and kind of like trying what works for me. That's awesome. And what works for you can be as an inspiration to other people, because we tend to just be in our own little bubble. And we think that that's the best way or that I can't find any other solutions because you've never been exposed to other things. So kudos to you because you're bringing that inspiration to everyone that's around you. I was going to ask you about habits and, you know, just like what would be some tips to our listeners of just like starting to build that wellness within ourselves, you know, without, I mean, you'd think that's typical, like, oh yeah, eat less, go to the gym, but Maybe you have a different way of presenting it to us or how can we embrace? Because we all kind of know, but how do we get ourselves to start doing these things?
1: So my mantra is always, you got to kickstart your wellness. And the kickstart is truly just as the word says, you just need some trigger. And the trigger could be that maybe you're thinking, all right, as you just mentioned, we know we need to eat healthy, we need to work out. So maybe start with um, looking at your own eating habits. Are there some easy swaps you could do in your life? Are there maybe some new foods you could try? Are there maybe some five-minute walks you could take? So I created actually a little checklist and I call it the health habit checklist. And you can get this also for free here as listeners to this amazing podcast, which lets you take off little health habits that you can change on a daily, on a weekly, on a monthly, on an annual basis, because along the fact that you have something there that you can check off is already triggering a creation of a healthier moment in your mind. Because at the beginning, it might be hard, but doing that the second, third, fifth time will eventually set in and create those habits. And the goal really is you start small but you're going to see big results. So small moments lead to big results over time. It will accumulate to whatever your health outcome might be.
0: I love that the small moments lead to big results. It's almost like those small choices will, that's what counts. What have been some examples that you might have for yourself or from your clients that you've changed little habits? Do you have any stories that you could share with us? I have lots of
1: stories. And just to kind of bring this into perspective is usually clients come to me and really emphasize that they need to lose weight. They say, oh, I'm going on a cruise in October and here I am. I need to take off some pounds or my daughter is getting married and I need to fit into this dress or I'm doing a photo shoot and I need to tone my arms. So there is a certain deadline that triggers the fact that they need to change their um, wellness. And then there is this frantic, Christiane, help me get there. And I tell them that's amazing. That's that external motivation that we need. But internally, really, it's what's going to get you there. So I'm essentially letting them kind of like share with me what they embrace in their day, because healthy habits means that you don't need to cut out all... Um, cookies, cakes, ice cream, on whatever makes you happy. Maybe you're just weaving in some healthier habits. So, let me give you an example. So, for instance, I had a friend and she was the one that needed to lose weight because she wanted to go on a cruise. So, what I did with her is I did a one on one coaching with her. And during the one on one coaching call, I showed her how to make a smoothie. So that in the morning, instead of reaching for um, a very high calorie breakfast, she can create something that kickstarts her day, using those words again, in a very healthy way. And then it's very quick, accessible. It's not even like looking at a lot of money because a lot of frozen fruits and vegetables are much lower priced than fresh. And I showed her she can actually even create this smoothie in the evening. So time has a cost associated with it too. And we basically did this together. And then I got text messages from her later, how amazing she felt by lunchtime, how much more energy she had because she changed her breakfast habit and how much more she felt her digestion was working. Usually she was very bloated, very sluggish by lunchtime. And she kind of triggered this back to maybe starting her day off frantically searching for breakfast and, you know, eating a protein bar while she was driving to work so she was not really focusing on what she was eating she was just kind of feeding her body and feeling that she's basically starting her day already uh, stressed. And so that was a huge moment and she ended up losing uh, 15 pounds, which is of course something that was a positive side benefit of changing something as small as just your breakfast
0: habit right there. That is awesome. I love that. I love hearing these kind of stories because I think sometimes we feel like it has to be these huge changes, like you're saying, like these triggers, like I'm going on that cruise and I need to lose 15 pounds and leave them off for the rest of my life. But it doesn't have to be that way. It's more creating that health style. You know, it's like shifting. That's why I never believed on the word diet, you know, because it's just so what you're gonna do it now and then you're gonna go back to where you were or worse, you know, why not slowly create a health or a a lifestyle, you know, of these habits. So I love this. I'm going to keep asking you some questions about that. What are some different exercises for different bodies? Because I know that you have, you've talked about that before. And I want to hear more in depth of, because we're not all the same. We all have different body shapes and types. What would you suggest
1: I love that you're asking this question because I teach a lot of different fitness classes and I always say my door is open whether that's online fitness classes that I teach or whether that's in-person fitness classes that I teach and think of different exercises as an appetizer plate where you're trying them and then you see which one works well for you. So for instance the one that i started teaching first mm-hmm. is um weightlifting so i teach a weightlifting class and that's truly transformational for anybody weightlifting is so important to build your bone strength but also to increase how you feel confidence <laughs> So your posture changes, your bone strength changes, and it sounds so intimidating, but at the end of the day, you can start with like super small weights. You could even use cans at home or water bottles, or maybe even heavy sacks of rice or potatoes, anything to just get started. So weight-bearing exercises are very important, I would say, for any body shape or type. And it does not have to be long, complicated, or expensive. Just start small. And then some type of cardio movement that will get your heart rate up would be amazing too, whether that's maybe a fast paced walk, whether that's cycling, does not have to be running. I don't like running myself. It could just be something to where you are uh, shifting a little bit of your regular heart rate into a quicker motion. I personally like stretching a lot because I tend to carry a lot of stress in my neck and in my back. And I start the day actually with stretching. And those stretches could emphasize certain parts of your body where you really carry that stress. So I have a lot of stretches that open up my chest muscles, that focus on my upper back, because again, that's where I carry my stress. I always emphasize on people, you know, just starting small, I only stretch five minutes in the morning, does not have to be elaborate or complicated. And when I travel, I also Fold up a little yoga mat and take it with me because, especially when I travel, I get very stiff and then I need those stretches even more. So, I would always embrace, especially for different body types and different levels, that you kind of try these out the cardio, the weightlifting, the stretching. And you choose whatever in these particular areas works for you, because that's really what it comes down to. We are different and it does not have to be one size fit all. Even in my weightlifting class, I just sometimes have people just lifting a barbell. They don't even put weights on the barbell. And I'm just so glad that they are there that I want to give them a hug and say, you rock, you are absolutely amazing for doing this. And don't ever feel that people look at you because actually in reality, nobody does. They just care about themselves. So you just lift that barbell or maybe not, maybe just do squats without weight because even your body weight is an amazing way to um, do weight-bearing exercises.
0: That is awesome. Thanks for those suggestions and just the the emphasis that we don't all have to do the same exercises. I think it's important You've just kind of reaffirmed for myself, you know, being in my forties and just the importance of weightlifting, you know, I want to include that more in my routine because where I've set up my habits ever since like last year, I've always been, you know, like active. I have to be active, like the different phases of my life, different activities, different sports and stuff. And the last couple of years, the goal is you have to move daily, Tanya. Like that's the goal, you know, instead of like, you have to do 50 minutes of running. And like, I just I pulled it down and I'm just like, no, just move. Did you do a full hour walk? Did you do dancing at home? Did you go to the gym and lifted weights or whatever? So thank you for sharing that. What I do realize that I want to incorporate with the habits is adding more weightlifting because in the forties, you know, like I've read, don't we start losing muscle mass, like late thirties, even forties, like how important it is to continue to lift some sort of weight, whether it's your body weight, like you're saying, or resistance, right? Am I right with that or not? You're completely
1: right. Uh, So we're losing bone density and it got, of course, good nutrition will help too. So maybe making sure you've got your vitamin D, you're eating your protein, so you're building the muscle mass, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, uh, moving your body, weight-bearing exercise is uh, super important too. and And it comes also down to your posture, because your posture will increase how you breathe, how you present yourself to the world. And of course, it will also change the pain that you feel on a daily basis. If you have good posture, you might be reducing neck or back strains in any way. And again, it doesn't have to be expensive, complicated, or long. It could maybe even be that you park a little further away to work and you're going up those stairs and your backpack is your weight, right? You're carrying maybe a backpack or a work bag, mm-hmm. and you buy an economic, economic one. That's important. Don't buy something that will hurt your shoulders. And you're going up the stairs. You get your cardio. You're carrying your backpack so that you're lifting right there. And of course, maybe you're walking by some beautiful trees, some buildings, so you get a little bit of that mind shift that I call that enhances also the positive thinking. So it's, it does not have to be even a separate activity. You could just add it on to a habit that you already do. So kind of habit stacking, I call it, is totally easy and very doable.
0: And that is wonderful because I was going to ask you about that. You're a mom and you're doing all these things. You're all about the hustle. What are some tips for those of us that, are listening that might say like, well, I don't have the time. I don't have the time to go to the gym. I don't have the time to cook healthy meals all the time. And to make these smoothies, you know, what are some tips that you could give the busy parents or the busy people? It doesn't even have to be parents or moms, but that's the, the world I move in right now. So that's why I'm saying moms, you know, cause that's who I interact with the most. What are some tips you can give us to still keep those habits.
1: Great question, Tanya. So I give a lot of free tips in my health habits checklist. It's called Health Habits Checklist to optimize your wellness. So download that free PDF and maybe print it out and hang it somewhere so you can we'll, some of the habits. We'll put it
0: in the show notes to make sure. So that right. anyone that wants to get the healthy habits checklist from Christiana, just check the show notes. So
1: I, I'm encouraging you to take a look at that and maybe just elaborating on a couple of success stories from my students that maybe use that. So I am all about making it easy and I'm all about making it accessible and I'm all about making it inexpensive. Yes, As use that word, right? So it. It it does not have to be a complete overhaul of your pantry right there. And at the same time, it doesn't even have to be a complete overhaul of your day. So the success stories that I've been seeing is first, take a look at your calendar. You actually might need to schedule your me time into your day. Because if you think about it, you wake up and you're like, oh, great. This is a good day to get started. And then you go to bed. You're like, maybe not today. We are all hustlers. Our day just slips between our fingers. It's like looking at your children you're like, hold on. Did they just grow? What happened? Right? So this is how the day goes. And we don't want to create that continuous same old, same old. To change something, you actually have to make it visible. Whether it's a paper calendar, an electronic calendar, creating reminders on your phone, you need to make that change. And that change starts with writing it down and making it part of your day. If you don't make it part of your day or your week. It will probably not happen, right? So put it right there. And again, it could be stacking a habit on top of another habit. So I've seen people that scheduled little five-minute stretches between Zoom calls. And in my Journey to Wellness program, I actually have five-minute videos that they just follow along. I have Amazing Arms, for instance, where they do an arm video in between their Zoom calls. Or I have Boost Your Booty, so where they're working their glutes, um, which actually the glutes are some of the underworked areas in your body because we sit so much, right, in your largest muscle groups. Or have amazing apps, so working your abdominal muscles right there. So they use those little five-minute videos in between their Zoom calls, but they schedule that. So they don't just scroll through their phone between Zoom calls, because we all have five minutes. If you don't have five minutes in your life, you have a serious problem, right? Because I'm sure you're spending it on something else right now. And those are some easy things you can do. You need to schedule it. Zoom call. Oh, there's me time. That's when I do the workout video right there. And then I come back to another Zoom call and I'm feeling energized and strong and I know I can do this.
0: I love it. Thank you for those tips. I think that's so important because we underestimate those little moments and time that we can take advantage of. Those are wonderful tips. Thank you for that. And we'll make sure to put that in the show notes. I was going to ask you, where can people find you, Christiana? Like, would that be a good place that they can come into your world and your community?
1: Yeah. So if you want to get that amazing checklist, you know, click on the show notes and you go to the checklist. I have a very active newsletter attack where I share recipes. I share my podcast episodes that I record with my guests, uh, which also have wellness tips right there. It's called Happy Healthy Hustle. And of course, I share new products that I'm finding. So I'm a professor, so I always share little things that you might not have heard about that might help you um, increase your own wellness. I need a very active Journey to Wellness program, which uh, includes coaching as well. And I would encourage you to be part of it. It's a wonderful community of um, people that reach their own wellness goals called Journey to Wellness. And you can find more about that on my website, which is called Hello Happy Nest, all in one word. So hellohappiness.com, where you can also get the recipes, you can find more freebies, and of course, you can get in touch with me.
0: Awesome, thank you for that. And we'll have all of this in the show notes in case you're exercising or doing your walk while you're listening to this podcast. Well, thank you so much, Christiana. I have one last question that I like asking my guests, which is, what would be one thing that you can leave our listeners with that they can live a life with more courage?
1: Just do it. That's what I always say. You know, if you don't try and you don't do it, you will never know.
0: that is awesome thank you so much i so appreciate your time with us today and for all these tips that you've given us and the work that you're putting out there into the world thank you so much christiana thanks for having me today as a
1: guest i really
0: appreciate and i look forward to hearing from the audience i am so grateful that you joined me today if you enjoyed it there's one thing i'd like you to do click on the follow button so you don't miss a single episode Leave me a rating and a review, and please share. As my way to thank you, email us a screen grab of your review at the email in the show notes, and we will send you a free Crafting Your Future guided visualization, which is so simple to do with outstanding results. It will empower you and give you the confidence to attract and create the life you've always desired. See you in our next episode.